diversity and inclusion. See it differently. Much has been written and said about diversity and inclusion, and also we have published various podcasts. We often ask who is in the room and take statistics. Our podcast partner David Clark asked a different powerful question. Who is not in the room? I talked with David about inclusion. The difference? He brings in his perspective as a blind man who faced very different challenges. David had an impressive career in banking, is director of service at the Royal National Institute of Blind People and serves as a non-executive director on various boards. During the preparation for this podcast, I learned so much. It reminded me once again how important it is to listen to people who have different life experiences and bring a different perspective to the table. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. David, it's fantastic to have you on the Better Boards podcast series. Thank you so much for making time in your busy calendar. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. Let's jump straight in. When boards think about inclusion, What questions should they really ask? Well, for starters, that's a very good question to kick off with. For me, when we're discussing or thinking about inclusion, people tend to focus on kind of who is who's in the room, who's around the table, do we have inclusion? For me, I think the first place that boards have to start is who's not in the room, whose voices are not being heard. You know, there are going to be stakeholders in any kind of operation, be that commercial enterprise, not-for-profit. You know, there'll be customers, supporters, volunteers, interested parties, people who, who want to support the work. But one of the things that I've noticed from a sort of non-exec and exec capacity over time is actually actively thinking, even as a disabled person myself, actively thinking whose voice is not being represented, not being heard, not being considered, not being reached out to. So for me, that is the question. I'm sure we'll come on and talk about you know, how you ensure kind of inclusion and how you kind of get there. But as a start of a tent, everybody can think about that question as in whose voices are not represented here. I have to say, you know, when we prepped for this podcast, this question didn't leave me. It's so powerful. And generally, I've never heard it. It's not a question I have seen or heard that board members are asking. I think you have to remember that, you know, your board is eight, 10, 12, 14, you know, however many people it is and whatever mix it is, there are always going to be views that, that are going to struggle to find their way into that room. So I think it's a really good practice, no matter what your makeup, to think actively about have we is there an angle we haven't considered this from? Is there a group of people, if they were here, would be telling us a different story, would be giving us a different perspective? And I think the critical thing about doing this, actually, as well as clearly the benefits of getting, you know, sort of a, a more inclusive voice, I am absolutely certain it leads to better decisions, more well-founded decisions, and, you know, whatever your purpose, that thinking in that way helps you to 
take things forward, whether that's commercially or whether it's, you know, social aims or whatever area you're, you're in. Absolutely. I mean, what does inclusion mean for you, really? Well, I suppose I start off by uh, sort of saying what uh, exclusion has meant for me. Um, because I think uh, it's only when you're excluded that you start to feel or may start to feel pretty anxious about getting inclusion right. I'm not necessarily saying you need to have been excluded. I think it helps to really bring it home. And my own world as, a, as someone who grew up blind, I loved to play sport but there was no pathway to play football, which I'm crazy about. When I was growing up, it wasn't possible for you to play for your school or for your county or for your country because that, that simply didn't exist. Thank goodness it does today, and it's possible now to pursue that kind of you know, grassroots through to professional sport as, as a blind footballer, and I'm very pleased that my role in kind of bringing that about. But the reality is, you know, oh. something you desperately, desperately wanted to do wasn't available. And if you bring that into the workplace, you know, my initial experiences of getting employment, first of all, I had two universities in the late 80s say, you can't apply here because uh, we don't have the means to deal with you. You know, it sounds crazy saying it today, doesn't it? But that's literally what happened. I had employers after I, I did a degree in politics and a master's in diplomacy. I then went on to apply for jobs or graduate schemes and got letters saying, sorry, you know, I'm afraid we, you know, so... I guess I got kind of in my early years, I got a really good sense of what it felt like to be excluded. I suppose if I bring it to the modern day, exclusion to me now isn't often quite as overt. So it's things like going through a recruitment process and finding you can't submit the paperwork because the button that you have to press on the on the web screen is not accessible with the screen reading software I use. And so um, in fact, I won't mention the company, but yesterday I was trying to get on a Wi-Fi network on a railway and I couldn't tick the box to say I agreed with their terms and conditions because they hadn't made it accessible. Therefore, I couldn't use their Wi-Fi network. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, you, you can go through the whole thing. You can have the right attitude. You can have the right culture. You can have the right desire to get this all right. And then, it, and then like not following through on the operational side of it can, can, can leave you yeah. floundering uh, uh, at the end. So for me, inclusion starts with thinking it through very, very clearly. What's the purpose of inclusion? Is it a driver that sits within the business, throughout the business? Is it something you live uh, as a core part of the values? You know, at the other end of the spectrum, is it some helpful words that keep you on the right side of public opinion? And I think unless you really reach out and understand what inclusion means, I don't think it's possible for businesses or organizations to have, we're telling you what inclusion is. It's important to reach out to the stakeholders involved and understand very, very clearly what everyone's understanding of, it, of inclusion is. And then, as I say, once you've done that process, work out how that can then fit. And that goes through from the makeup of any boards, for example, in the case we're talking about today, right through to how you get there. You know, what are the skills that are being? I mean, one of the things you can look at, for example, is, you know, recruitment processes. It's interesting, isn't it, that everybody thought, for example, that, uh, or it seemed to me that everyone thought that the only way you could ever have a meeting is for everybody to jump on a train or in their car and, you know, mm -hmm. travel <laughs> hours to get to a place where yeah. you had to be or else you couldn't be in the meeting. And it amazed me also how many meetings took place between 11 and 3 p.m. And so if you're in full-time work or you're a carer or you have to pick the kids up from school or you have to take medication or you're on dialysis or you can't mm. do this stuff. So I think 
all that kind of feeds into, you know, what kind of group are you trying to get together? What's the purpose of it? Who are you trying to reach? And how can you reach the widest possible audience to give the opportunity to be part of what you're, you're building? And then the point of reflection when you've done all of that, to take the learnings, any lessons you've learned during the process, and to continue to think about, even though you've gone down that route, who's not in the room, whose voice isn't being heard, and how can we proactively reach out for it? So how should boards, in your view, really think about inclusion? Well, I think it has to start with the purpose. So why are you considering inclusion? We have to speak the unhappy truth that many boards have effectively been forced to think about it mm. because of yeah. various codes and things that have come in. It's kind of sad in a way that that's the route that it had to take, but at least it's got people thinking about it. So I think why is the first question. You know, why are we doing it? Is it because we're being told to do it? Is it because we think it's the right thing to do? Is it a genuine energy within the business that, that says, look, this is something we have to do uh, to make this a better, a better business? Because I think it's only when you kind of uh, buy into it totally and you can get your, the organization, and particularly the senior elements of the organization, to buy into it totally that you're going to get the kind of results. And then I think it's about what do you then do? I mentioned about reaching out. I think looking at other models of success, looking at other, how other people have done it, looking for external advice, looking for third-party input. How is it best I do this? I mean, if I look at my own situation, you know, I am no inclusion expert. I've led, led a life as a white male person who was born with congenital glaucoma. So my experience of life is that. Therefore, I need to kind of, I know my own experiences and they influence how I think and how I feel about these things. But there are lots of people who've trodden this path before in terms of how it works, how to get the results you want, how to put everything in place to make sure that you're being as inclusive as you can. So I think advice and reaching out to people who've been there, done it, who are professionals in this space is a really, really important thing to do. And then you also then have to think about sort of, I suppose, supply and demand. If you spend decades excluding people, you can't then automatically find a whole raft of people who can then be included <laughs> because you've yeah. explicitly excluded them. So then you have to think about the pathways. Then you have to think about acceleration. You have to think about, you know, I always talk about, as someone who's blind myself, I always talk about sort of putting the ladders down. You know, you may have climbed the mythical ladder, but what do you do? You do see some examples in society where people climb a ladder and then they pull it up and no one else can come. You know, mm. and my objective has always been to put more ladders down. You know, here's a pathway that I've managed to somehow scramble up and show you the way. There's the proof. Come and join me. Follow the same pathway, that's, which, which has been made slightly easier because someone like myself, you know, has 24 years in banking, for example. There weren't many people that did that as a blind person. And I like to think of it as a bit of a pathway to show other people. But you see, this is the key thing. If you can't get some of the core skills that, being on a, on a board, as an example, kind of demands, you know, in both in terms of scrutiny and governance and some of the specifics around uh, legal, marketing, finance, mm. all these kind of things. If you don't have those skills, then you can't, if you've never had experience, yeah. you've never been open to that. It's very, very difficult then to put yourself forward. So I think you've really got to think about that. You really do need to think about how do you accelerate the opportunity for people to be exposed to these things and learn these things. So then you have a greater supply of talent to ensure inclusion. So what is it that boards really should do differently to what they're doing now? So I think, I mean, the first thing to do, take a, a snapshot of where they're at. 
how did it get here is a good question. Because there's an automatic defensive mechanism that kicks in, you know, when this question comes up. You kind of find it's natural human behaviour that people kind of start justifying why they're here and why someone else is not here. And it's not really about... I think the thing we have to avoid is kind of saying, you know, being seen to criticise or, or suggest that the, the existing cohort, if you like, in position are at fault here. Let's just take a line in the sand there and say, right, how did it happen? And whether that's largely male-dominated boards or in sometimes exclusively male-dominated boards or whatever we're talking about here, let's just look at how that happened. Um, because to my point before, it could be that based on pure experience and skill, it could be that they were the right people to mm. be in the room. But I think we can all agree that that's just so ridiculous. You know, if that is where we got to, and that is the true answer, it's absolutely incredible that the way we've built the business or the way we've built the sector or the way we've built society did not result in more suitable candidates from a more diverse background. So have a look at how you got there. And then, mm. as I say, decide what's the objective here. Where are we trying to get to? Let's get some kind of purpose and some rationale behind the changes we want to see. And then I think you've got to reach out for advice and guidance and on how to get there because the people actually in position or determining who gets into those positions are quite often not the people to help it change. They're invested in it. They have a certain experience of life, kind of sees them invested in the current process and invested in the way things currently work. And if I look at my own world, there are fundamental issues with how society perceives blind and partial sighted people. I don't know if people would know how I create a PowerPoint, how I deal with an Excel spreadsheet, how I handle my emails, how I can be listening to something on one phone and responding to an email on another. I don't, perhaps I shouldn't be doing that at all. But you know what I mean? I, I just genuinely don't know that people have an awareness of how other types of people living other types of lives to the one you're living kind of deal with the stuff you deal with. And therefore, that's where you do need that external input. That's where you do need that kind of... Absolutely. Um, Widening. And then the other thing, how do you reach people? You know, this is the other thing. Like an advert in a national newspaper doesn't cut it if you're trying to get to a more diverse workforce, a diverse uh, body of people. You have to think about how could you actively reach in to those communities. And then I think the other thing you need to think about is also about the people who are affected. Let's take, uh, I don't know, let's just say something generic like an insurance company. Mm. There's a whole variety of possible customers or people who could be influenced or involved with that entity. Yeah, when you think of customer, who are you thinking about? When you think of shareholder, who are you thinking about? When you think of potential chief executive or potential call handler, who are you thinking about? And I think this kind of gets into the area of trying to kind of uh, kill off the stereotypes and think about people and their various backgrounds and experiences and, and how you value that. You know, um, some job descriptions will have the most incredible things in them that are completely mm -hmm. unnecessary. Um, and the classic one for me, of course, is full driving license. Well, that's never going to happen. So, you know, <laughs> does that make me incapable of doing the job? You know, um, and then that's, you know, probably quite a crass example. But I would always encourage people to look at the recruitment pathway, to look at the specifics of the role, to look at how they meet, where they meet. Another one that's personal to me, and I know we spoke about in the prep, is, is documentation. It may interest people on this podcast to know that as far as I am aware from the research I've done, and I've done a lot, there is actually no accessible board portal 
that works with screen reader software right now. Now, let's just take my particular situation, totally blind, using Braille and audio, and using a screen reading software to, to use my laptop and to access documents. And at this moment in time, the very systems that host in a safe way board documentation do not work for people like me. Yeah, so even if all the other stuff happened, mm. the, the system doesn't work. And then you have the compatibility. Again, something we spoke about in the prep was about the, the various tools that exist on, uh, on Apple and Microsoft to ensure that the documentation you're putting in front of people is accessible. There's accessibility checkers. There's all sorts of ways in which you can do it. It'll tell you how to, how to fix it, color, color contrast, font, image descriptions, all the various different things that you do. And it's quite straightforward. But again, how many people uh, no, I are aware of that? Yeah. David, I have to say, I'm, I'm a lot more quiet in this podcast than in some other podcasts. I mean, I'm really absorbing every word you are saying because <laughs> I have to be open. I did not know these things. You know, I learned so much in the prep and also now in, in, in this podcast. I mm. did not know about these things. And I'm mm. sure it's the same as many of our listeners. So it's really, really important to get your voice in here. So I, I'm, I'm hugely grateful that, uh, mm. that you contribute. I'm very grateful to be here. And um, I guess the reason why you've heard so much of my voice is because it kind of pours out. You know, when you ask the question, I kind of look back at the various situations I've been in and, and it kind of pours out on me in terms of how me and others in lots of various different situations would love this to be better. Yeah, and I have to say, you asked so many powerful questions, really, in this podcast. It's a wealth of questions for any non-executive director to ask, really, for any uh, executive search consultant to ask. I, I think it should rattle the cage a bit and really inspire and make people think and above all act. Mm. So at the I end, so. <laughs> <laughs> me too, <laughs> at the end, I always ask, what are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast? Oof. I think, uh, well, first of all, boards are better when they're inclusive. So I think that's one thing that we should be wholly agreed on. And if you're not of that view, then I would encourage you to go and look at the evidence. Second thing is find out how boards can be more inclusive. And that does mean, actually, the responsibility to reach out, read, talk to people from different areas, look at best practice, look at models, look at case studies, get advice. You know, this is really, really important. And it's something that just can't be done with a switch of a pen and a decision. It needs to be thoroughly researched and worked through to ensure that you're then sort of getting to where you need to be in terms of your knowledge and, as you said, in terms of your actions. And then the third thing, I think, is continually review and get feedback and challenge yourself. Because this is never done. You know, society changes at pace. And um, you asked a question during the discussion about uh, reach more people. If you just look at what's happened in the pandemic, we used to think that everybody used to have to go to a place and meet and, and then mm. all go home again. Well, we've proved that that's not necessary. So, you know, let's take some of the wins from a very difficult situation, but always be reviewing to make sure that you're up to speed and up to date and, uh, and, and as inclusive as you can be. But I'm going to have a fourth one, which is most of all, act. You know, yeah. it's, it's all right putting titles on things and putting statements out there and sticking objectives in. But most importantly, we need to act. We need to change it now because it's gone on for too long. 
Thank you so, so much, David. My head is spinning. <laughs> really made me think, and I, I'm sure all of our listeners. So a huge, huge thank you for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. Good pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us at info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening.